Welcome to the inaugural episode of the New Illumination Podcast. This is going to be a little bit different than um, than my literated podcast. It's going to be different, I think, than any podcast I've heard. At least that's the the vision, the goal for it. What I'm doing is I'm trying to deconstruct the world that we live in and the world that we're moving into with all the technological advances, the the social deconstructionism that we've been going through the last, um, you know, 60, 70 years or so, the changes in government, in um, just culture, society at large. And what I want to do is I want to involve other people, other individuals who recognize a lot of the same stuff that I do, who recognize that there is something profound happening. I know that there are a lot of people who see this. I think maybe they don't spend enough time trying to articulate it, but there's a there's a very pervading and deep sense, I think, in the world at large that our world is really changing. It really is this time, you could say, you know, because everyone has always said, oh, the world's changing and it's going to be the end of the world. And But I think the world is changing not only on a uh, kind of socioeconomic, socio-political um, level, but it's also changing on a conscious level. Uh, the reason that we've seen so much social progress and upheaval and uh, this new kind of nouveau tribalism that we've seen a resurgence of in the last while is because we're all interconnected, is because we are now having to reconcile uh, the fact of our interconnectedness with everyone and with everything. There's a lot to be discussed. There's a lot to be um, thought through and and investigated sort of through our thoughts and through discussion and hopefully debate and uh, different points of view. But I'm really going to try to do something new with this podcast. I think that it's really important in this coming era that we kind of redevelop very strong senses of community. We, we redevelop um, and on new lines and with new definitions a sense of not only shared humanity but also tribes in the positive sense. Tribes in the sense where we, those of us who are in the tribe look out for each other. We we have each other's best interest in mind. And the foundation of this is the recognition of the value of every individual. And that's kind of kind of maybe the overarching theme of the podcast. We'll see because everything evolves, but it is science is not the answer. Science is a tool. We have lived in this highly materialistic world for the last, um, well, an increasingly materialistic world over the course of a few hundred years since the scientific revolution and the Enlightenment. A world that has uh, given all of its all of its judgments over to what we kind of vaguely term science and reason, rationality, and it seems to some people, to a lot of people, to myself, 
that we've sort of come to the end of that. We've come to the end of solely relying upon rationality and science, which in the Western world is kind of anathema to even say. It's, it's, it goes against the grain of the dogma that is, has been prevalent in at least intelligent society for a long time. But I think that these uh, systems that we've had over the last few hundred years that have grown up, as useful as they've been in their own ways, um, we've, we, we, we saw them as this is the end. This is where we're finally going to get all the answers and we'll be fine. And when we played it out, it ended up not working. We still have the question of why are we here? Uh, what is good? What is right and wrong? How can we say that we're all equal when we see in the world that that's not the case? Um, how can how can we coexist in a world with people who share dichotomous views or who have dichotomous views in relation to our own? Um, these are really profound questions. How do we maintain our humanity uh, within the onslaught of new technology, which seems to be taking away and, uh, what would you say, offloading everything from us that has, for our entire history as humans, defined us as human. So what do we do then? Where do we look for definition, for truth, when uh, everything that we have traditionally looked to has been stripped away and is uh, voidable? That's the real question of this podcast, and I want to do something different. I said that before, but I want to do something different in that eventually as I get going, I want to get other people who recognize the same currents of history, who who recognize the things that are happening, who are looking beyond the 24-hour curated news cycle, the, the swaths of information that are shoved at us as the narrative as the truth, who look beyond that and see the vaster, uh, wider sweeps of history, the undercurrents that are actually manifesting in all of these specific instances that we think are so crazy, but we haven't looked deeper to see why is it happening. And I want to involve other people in that I want this to be a platform where people, even with views that oppose my own, but who kind of seem to recognize the same uh, trends, the same, the same, the same changes occurring, where this to be a platform where they can express uh, their thoughts, even in like episodes that I'm not involved in, where someone can can record something, record their thoughts, and we'll upload it to the podcast feed, and that it'll be a dialogue you know, a dialogue like we used to have, uh, we as humans, not we personally. Uh, back in the Agora, you know, this is, these are the places where uh, people would meet in the old days and, and talk and, and meet out their philosophies and try to get to the truth. Well, now uh, we have a lot more information, we have a lot more knowledge we don't really have a lot more truth today. And that is what I recognize, what a lot of other people recognize. And that's 
that's what I want to work on. I want to say we have a new framework uh, with which and within which we have to interact uh, with the world. So how do we do that? And uh, how do we reclaim meaning and truth and belief? That's the big thing. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this little one. I, um, I'd love to hear your guys' responses. The audio is not very good, but I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it because I think that's... Uh, I'm getting new audio equipment this week, so that's going to be awesome. It's going to be super cool. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. Just take it for what it is right now. Understand what I'm trying to do and the larger picture here. And then, you know, as I'm able to, we'll improve things, we'll get things better. But this is, uh, perfection is oftentimes the enemy of getting anything done. So I'm just, I'm just doing it. We'll see what you guys think. And then let me hear your feedback because this is something that I am very passionate about. It's probably the thing that I'm most passionate about. Uh, what is the truth? Uh, now that of course assumes that there is a truth, but that'll be for further discussions. Uh, this discussion or I guess monologue, uh, that you're about to hear is just me talking about the foundation of ethics, because that's a big thing. Um, people have tried to ground ethics and morality in science some way or another, uh, in rationality and reason, and it never quite fits. So that's a big question, and it kind of has to be at the ground of any big discussion about uh, what to do next, because in order to know what to do next, uh, it, assuming that there is a right or a wrong thing to do, you have to know what is right and wrong. So Without further ado, here is my intro episode to the New Illumination podcast. Take it for what it is. Um, tell me your thoughts and get back to me with feedback because I really want to make this into a cool thing and I think it really could be. Um, if you recognize the things that I recognize, let's get together and make a community of people who can talk about it and uh, who can really work it through and hopefully we can move into the future together communally uh, and as a as a society in a way that is positive rather than in a way that is blind and ends up negative and self-destructive. Thank you. Oh yeah, guys, parenthetically, just on the side, uh, at one point in this episode, I say electrons when I meant neurons, and I'm so sorry. I let you all down. I let the world down. I let myself down. I feel like I let God down, but mistakes were made. Not really able to change the past, but just know I meant neurons. I was very tired. It's very easy to uh, lay a foundation for ethics. The reason that philosophers have fought so long over the foundation of ethics and the definition of ethics, what it constitutes, etc., is that for a long time people have relied upon um, the assumption that everything must be founded and based upon the material scientific world. 
there is no foundation for ethics or ethical treatment of other individuals uh, based on pure materialism. The foundation of ethics comes when an individual, and it has to be individual, it can be propagated uh, among cultures and along societal routes uh, with traditions or cultural memes, etc. But it has to emerge on the individual level, you know, as any pattern. So we see patterns in ethics that occurs when many individuals have the same realizations and operate on the same lines. So not all individuals, you know, that's it's not necessary for every data point to conform in order to form a pattern. So not every individual has to agree on uh, the meaning or the inferences of ethics. Now, the realization that has to occur on the individual level for the formation and the propagation of ethics and the foundation of ethics is the realization of one's the of the value the inherent value of one's experience that's not even to say the inherent value of their intelligence or their consciousness or the physical processes that take place in their brains you know the firing of electrons and the the working of dendrites and that's not what is realized. It's this other thing. It's the, the felt nature. It's an intangible property, but it's the foundation of everything that we know. You must experience uh, light to know what it is, to know that it's there. You must experience anger to know that it exists. You must experience uh, numbers, you know, through thoughts, through cognition, to know that they're real. So it's this, this experience, and it's not only the experience itself, but the experience of the worth and the value of experience. So we see that it is good to be alive, to be, period. And when we see that, all right, we have to we have to say that it is good to exist. It's good to be alive. There is some worthwhileness in existence for a conscious being. That there is some inherent worth in being conscious and having experience. It is real. And once you experience that worth, it's impossible to deny it to yourself. But there are ways in which we try to mitigate that experience so that we don't have to admit to the value and the worth of what it is to exist. And people who do this, who shut themselves off from it, from the experience of life's value, are the people who 
are stagnant, who are living in ruts, who are uh, caught in cycles of, what would you call it, degrading the value of their being, not acting in a way that affirms that value and propagates uh, what is felt and known to be valuable in the world. So that's, that is creation, that is art, that is ethical, uh, ethical action. But how does this experience of value translate to ethics writ large in the world? You know, we can have our own, our own individual experience. I, I should say I can have my own individual experience of the worth and the value that's inherent in being alive, in being, period. But how does that translate to ethics generally? It takes a leap of faith. It takes, it takes you uh, making a decision to believe something. And decision is extremely important when it comes to belief. It's foundational. Because what a belief is, is something which, uh, it, it, it kind of provides a, a railing or, or what do you call a banister, right? That you run your hand along in the dark for guidance. You could say that. That's a good metaphor. Belief is something that you decide to, it's hard even to say it, to describe it without saying belief, but you decide to view the world in this one specific way. You decide to, to apply this principle universally to everything in the world. It's, it's kind of, it's an accepted rule. That's what a belief is. So this belief that is necessary for the foundation and the formation of ethics is the belief. So once you experience, once you experience the worth of your own being, of your own experience, you could call that the a priori. That's the a priori belief. That's because that's a known, a, a, a first-hand knowledge of something. And I would say that's actually experience is actually the only first-hand uh, knowledge, the only a priori. The value of that experience is a priori as well, because there aren't any extra assumptions that need to be made in order for that belief to be understood and known, or that truth, you could say, not belief, because the belief is the, the decision to hold that as a principle that applies uh, everywhere, universally. The next belief, which is more a posteriori, that is, it's, it's, a, it's a second level belief. It's a belief that is not known firsthand, but it's a conclusion that is arrived at after accepting the firsthand foundational belief, the a priori belief. This secondary one that has to be in place in order for ethics to work 
to operate, what you can found ethics on, is the belief that, um, yes, my conscious being is inherently worthwhile, inherently has value, is in fact good, it is the good, you could say. Now I see these other, these other people around me and I have to accept the fact that they have the same experience as me and that their experience is equally valuable. I can't experience it because that's the nature of subjectivity. You know, my experience is subjective to me. I see it. I am the subject. I receive that firsthand. I cannot experience the world or the self or being from another um, viewpoint firsthand, you could say. I can't be in my wife's consciousness experiencing the value of life, the value of the world through her eyes. That's impossible. I can't do it. I can imagine it. I can, I can project uh, my assumptions about how she must feel in a given situation, but I can't feel it firsthand. I can't experience it firsthand. So the secondary uh, belief, the one that takes faith, is this other person also has experience. The experience is equivalent in value to my experience. And the sort of tertiary belief is because I feel value in myself, I experience it firsthand, and I now assume that this other person has the same, that I should act in such a way that uh, respects or takes into account that other individual's experience. And I should act in a way which uh, propagates that value or that goodness in their experience of the world. That's the whole of ethics. The whole of morality comes down to that. That's everything. There's nothing... I mean, you could say that there are things undergirding that. You know, whatever it is that experience is founded on, I have the, the notion, and it's widely agreed on uh, nowadays, that we will never be able to describe that scientifically because it is just... It is not material. My experience of the world is not material. We may associate it with some physical observations, but the fact of certain physical observations aligning with uh, self-reported experience doesn't actually explain how that experience is generated or where it comes from or what it is. That's why panpsychism, the belief that consciousness is just as universal as like quarks and atoms, and it's, uh, it's a universal aspect of matter, 
But saying that doesn't actually change anything. That's what these panpsychists don't seem to understand. That saying that, okay, well, the psyche or consciousness or experience is just another aspect of matter. Okay, but it doesn't, that doesn't actually change anything. So that's the foundation of ethics. That's uh, sort of the principle upon which my entire ethic or ethics is um, founded. And it's irrefutable. It's only irrefutable if you have had the experience of worth and value in your life. And so that's what I'm trying to encourage and propagate is I'm trying to encourage people to experience that value. And in order to do that, you have to do things which affirm the value of your existence. Which is to say, when you do this thing, you experience the value of existence and therefore your existence, your experience is of that value and proves that value because it is a priori. It has to be known firsthand in order to be understood as true. So that is the foundation of my ethics. And I'm trying to encourage people to go out and do things which are existence affirming. Because I believe that if we do that, if we understand and know firsthand the value of our own existence, of our own experience, of the inherent value in consciousness, in being, then we will become more ethical people. We will treat other people and animals and the world and the universe. We will interact with all things uh, with respect for the dignity, the inherent dignity of conscious being. And that will actually that will propagate a natural ethics, a real ethics that no one who has experienced the value and the worth of their being will be able to uh, deny the, the validity of. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Illumination. I'm really excited about this. I think, um, you know, I'm going to be talking to I'm going to be talking to other people. I'm going to be um, getting better audio equipment this week. So that's going to be awesome. And I'm really excited about it because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I just haven't taken the leap. I haven't um, committed because it is a daunting thing what I'm trying to do. I have no qualifications whatsoever. And in this kind of institutionalized world, it's very hard to get traction or to get people to take you seriously if you don't have the kind of prerequisite uh, qualifications as defined by the institutions, especially when you're questioning and kind of attempting to undermine a lot of institutional thought. Uh, it doesn't, I'm not saying that it's a conspiracy. It's just a natural thing. It's a natural thing. It's the nature of how institutionalization works. Um, and I believe it does end up becoming anti-individual because you end up having to rely on the wider, larger structures um, in order to get anything done. But that's now being subverted with the internet and kind of the culture that we're seeing nowadays. Um, 
I'm really excited. That was a bit of a of a <laughs> a little ramble, a little rant, which I do a lot of, I think. But that's that's kind of the main focus of what I want this to be about. It's it's ta- I'll be talking to people who kind of get where I'm coming from, who see the stagnation that we have, who see uh, the problems that we have, and the reason that the stagnation in our culture, in our society, in science, etc., is occurring, uh, is because we have this unwillingness to take the next leap consciously. Um, and the next leap is, well, we'll get into that more. I think that's enough for right now. Thank you so much again for listening. Love you all. And I'm going to be trying to pump these out uh, fairly consistently because I have a lot of ideas already down on paper, a lot of recordings already made. So I look forward to talking to you guys soon and hearing back from you and interacting because that's a big part of what I'm talking about is the need for community and the need for interaction and real human connection. See you next time.